Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Cut. I am your host, Christian Williams, and I am here with Randy Hall. Randy, how are you tonight, dude? Doing pretty good. Uh, drinking a bag right now, finishing it, so probably not the best idea, but <laughs> been a long day of tape study, and I, I needed it to survive. I feel you. I finished my bang, and I moved right into my room, and I feel like I'm in college again uh, with Damn, that combination. We lived a, a weird life there for a while. <laughs> we sure did. Yes, we did. Um, I, I should, I shouldn't have said this. Isn't just another episode. This is kind of like a milestone episode with this being our hundred and fiftieth episode of this podcast. That is insane to me. I, I can't believe we made it this far. Uh, I can't. I actually, you know, how much we've recorded in the last couple of years. I, I can't believe we're only at one fifty. I think that that feels wrong. But it's not. I know I that know. we've been counting for a very long time now. So, uh, but yeah, it, very exciting stuff. And today we're going to be talking about the 2021 corner class. Uh, so not quarterbacks, but cornerbacks. Uh, if your team needs a corner, you're going to want to listen to this because this is a, a pretty good class. I think it's fairly deep. I think you can get starting caliber guys on day two. Uh, and maybe even into day three. So definitely an episode for you. If you want to listen to our linebackers episode, that just came out uh, on Tuesday. We broke down the linebacker class as well. So if you guys are playing IDP fantasy, this is the podcast for you. If you're just super intrigued by what your team's going to do in the draft, this is also the podcast for you. And if you like it, make sure you leave us a review. Uh, preferably four or five stars, as I always say. But if we're a one-star podcast, you just DM us and let us know that we fucking suck. So, Fair. <laughs> uh, before we get started, we are also going to touch on the Sam Darnold trade that we neglected on Tuesday, unfortunately. We, we had a lot lined up for Tuesday, so we did not get to it. But we will talk about that. But first, we do want to mention that Adam dropped his group of five uh, big board today so that was exciting really good stuff there um, group of five players need need more love and adam is out here willing to dish out all the love for sure uh, and then we've got also a ton of articles in the works i know i was looking through the drafts and there's like eight or nine things in there now so a lot of stuff coming the cut go check that out uh, or go to our twitter at the cut and follow us there uh draft guide is coming out next week which <laughs> that's the first time i've said that sentence it's uh, <laughs> prefaced by saying hopefully out next week obviously <laughs> it has to yeah. be final by then but with what we said was after the safety episode that week it would come out and the safety episode uh comes out on tuesday so <laughs> yeah fuck <laughs> goal is for a week and a day from the day you're listening to this we're recording this one a little early so pardon us if we miss some news that happens either on uh wednesday or i guess just wednesday uh but we are recording early just so you guys know but the idea is that the draft guide will be out next friday so we're we're hopeful we're we're thinking it'll get done 
I haven't even opened the bitch in like two days though. So <laughs> it's been a busy week, man. <laughs> <laughs> it sure has. It sure has. Um, and then lastly, make sure you guys go vote on the Friday fix poll so we know who we're talking about tomorrow. Um, should be another exciting one. And like I said, I'm putting together a uh, a thread of all of our Friday fixes. I don't know if I said that on air on Tuesday, but it doesn't know. matter too much. I will be putting that thread together. So if you're just really bored one day and want to go watch all of our old Friday fix episodes, we brought on some cool guests throughout the, the weeks that we've been doing this. So you can check that out. That'll be out in the next couple of Fridays. All right. Let's talk about the Sam Darnold trade. So trade details, the Panthers received just Sam Darnold. They gave up a 2021 sixth round pick, a 2022 second and fourth round pick. Randy, what were you, what was your first thought when you saw this? Uh, and also, why do you think this makes sense for the Panthers? So my first thought was uh, I... <sighs> Wasn't necessarily shocked um, that the Panthers got him or that Darnold was traded. Um, more like a little shocked that I, I will say I thought like Washington or like the Bears would be like the front runner. Um, so I guess I'm a little shocked, but it does make sense when after the 49ers have made the trade, I've been on record saying that, uh, well, the Falcons are clearly not giving the fourth pick to the Panthers unless they give up just an outrageous package for that, they're not going to help their division rival get their next franchise quarterback because that would be stupid. (laughs) So because of that, I think they feel like the top four guys are gone at pick four and they have no ability to get that. And I think that truly says uh, what they think about uh, Mac Jones, who is some people's five. I, you know, whatever the fuck you say, Mac Jones is the fifth best quarterback in this class. I don't care what you think. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and it doesn't mean he's not going to be really, really good, but it means that the Panthers do not want to trade up for him at least, and most likely don't want him at all. Um, I, I won't rule out the possibility of them sitting there at eight and. Mac Jones or like Trey Lance or possibly Fields, whoever is the, the straggler of the group, if they're somehow there at eight, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that they draft that guy. Because, uh, I mean, Darnold has what? Two I, years? Like this year yeah. and next year, I believe. They haven't picked up his fifth year option they, yet. They did. I, I saw that their did intent they? was to pick up the fifth year at least. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if they officially did, but yes, and if that's the case, if they already picked it up, then I guess my tune will change because I actually just talked about this on uh I was on the Fantasy Intervention show actually a couple of days ago at join our circle underscore. Um, but I talked a little bit about this and I I did, said not to rule out quarterback going to the Panthers still cuz Darnold's virtually on a tryout. And if his fifth-year option hadn't been picked up, then they have no commitment to him other than they think they believe in him right now. I I would have prefaced on the day that he was traded, it was reported by Rappaport or Schefter that they intend to pick up his fifth year. I'm not sure if it was they did, (laughs) Um, because I doubt they did in the exact same day they made the trade, but... I, I would assume that they're they're having him for the two years, but I still don't think that absolutely rules out them picking a quarterback at eight, but it has to be that situation, like I said, 
where they truly do believe in that guy, but they don't have to trade up any capital, and it's still kind of the best available pick for them. But they still, I mean, honestly, though, if that happens, it would be smarter of them to trade down and recoup the losses uh, that they just gained, basically, uh, for getting Darnold. And then you might even be able to deal with Teddy for a third or a fourth, and you're sitting pretty at, you, you actually gained picks and got a new quarterback. And that's a pretty good possibility. So, uh, yeah. It it doesn't necessarily mean the Panthers are the QB market, but it does mean that when we start doing mock drafts now, we should start mocking it as them not taking the quarterback so we sure. can show what options they would go to. Yeah, and I, I think it does mean... I I think if Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase are on the board, I think they go that route. And I know they have two receivers in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson that are already established, but they did lose Curtis Samuel. Obviously, Jamar Chase nor Kyle Pitts are that, but I think surrounding Darnold with as many weapons as they can is going to be a priority. I also think that offensive line makes a shit ton of sense. I think if uh, Sewell is sitting there at eight, if Slater is sitting there at eight, which both of them could be, one of them could be, probably just one of them, I think that's an option for them. Now they don't have a vast need at offensive line, uh, but they don't have a great offensive line either. And we know how good Darnold is in clean pockets and we know how bad he is in not clean pockets. So let's make all yeah. clean pockets. I, I just quickly went on uh, the draft networks draft machine and got to their pick for them. It currently has their top needs as tackle corner, tight end cornerback or cor- QB like of the future, obviously, if Darnold doesn't end up being the guy, then linebacker, uh, guard, safety to pair with chin, D tackle. I mean, really, it becomes depth at a certain point. Uh, so yeah. it's really the top three of tackle, corner, and tight end. So I I doubt they balk at the wide receiver, uh, just because of what they already have. It would make more sense to possibly get a guy in the second instead to. Second or third that kind of replaces what Curtis Samuel gave you, then it would be to draft a guy like Chase or Waddle. Rondale really... Moore. <laughs> well, Rondale Moore, I mean, to an extent, Kadarius Tony. Um, you can go even deeper with uh, Felton um, to be the truly Curtis Samuel role. Um, <laughs> Nearly <laughs> but I identical. Mean, yeah, but I mean, like, Rayshon Slater, Sertain, which really fucks the Cowboys. Um, JC Horn. Uh, Michael Parsons, uh, not Michael Parsons, uh, uh, Kyle Pitts, if he's there, like there's there's a bunch of good options for them now. And again, they could trade back again, like I brought up. Um, yeah. And then our last question for this for the Jets, you mm-hmm. trade away Darnold. Uh, basically, the world thinks it's Wilson. Now, we've we've been proven wrong by smoke before, uh, but the Jets don't necessarily usually. Uh, they're not usually that franchise. Um, it's true. Is Fields on the table for them, though? I mean, it's clearly, even if you do love uh, Wilson, which we both do, we just love Fields more. Um, even if you do love Phil, uh, Wilson, you have to be looking at the other two or three guys, depending on how you view this. And I believe they they were... At Lance's, I don't think they were at full force like they were for Wilson and Fields. Uh, yeah. So maybe 
that spells a couple of things there, but listen, man, I think everything's on the table this draft cycle. I think I just had a nice discussion about Mac Jones and why he's being considered ahead of Justin Fields. And I mean, I, it, it ended up getting chalked up to racism, uh, which oh, I heard, <laughs> uh, which, which is, I mean, it, it'd be tough to watch three white quarterbacks go over Justin Fields and Trey Lance when Justin Fields at the very least is better than at the very least, even if you love Zach Wilson, like you said, uh, and you think he's the next Patrick Mahomes, he's better than Mac Jones. And you can't really justify that Justin Fields is worse than Mac Jones to me. I nope. Obviously, I have a lot of bias in that because Justin Fields is QB1. Uh, but I do think that he is on the table for the Jets. I, I think there's a lot of smoke this year. I think if he, if it is Wilson, like everyone thinks, uh, then I think you're, you're drafting a very, very similar guy that's trait-based that we still have a lot of questions about. Sam Darnold has all of the arm talent that Zach Wilson has, if not more. I, uh, I will say that's not a wrong take, but think of what we've heard from this camp so far. Once I've came in, they love Darnold. Uh, so it makes sense that they love a guy that's a lot like Darnold coming into the league that now has a fresh contract. <laughs> it, that's a that's a valid argument as well. And I, uh, I think... I, I will say, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I You're will fine. say that the I think a lot of the Mac Jones talk is the 49ers uh, trying to make sure that the the Jets just stick with Wilson. They don't they don't think about anything else. Yeah. We're we're taking Mac Jones. We're stupid. Exactly. Yes, yes. He's the third. I, <laughs> no, you I, take Wilson, and we'll we'll figure out our shit. And I Dude. and I obviously I think it should be Fields, but I think Lance is an incredible pick there as well. I don't think. Uh, Mac Jones is necessarily a, a bad pick. I think he's a good fit for the offense, but I think the trade is awful then, and I I just don't. Well, because I well because I in my opinion you could they could have traded to seven yep. to get to get uh, Mac Jones. I think even if they could have traded to four, they would have traded less than what they just did. Uh, so just saying. Yeah, hey, like I said, I I think there's a lot of smoke going around this year. I I think I think the Jets are taking Zach Wilson though. I I will say that I if I'm doing a mock draft, it's already penciled in Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Then that's where the questions start. Uh, it shouldn't be a question. I I think Trey Lance should come off the board second or third, third really. Um, but it doesn't matter what I think. NFL teams are going to do what they want to do and. Ultimately, I I think Zach Wilson can succeed for the Jets, and I think Sam Darnold can succeed for the Panthers, and I think both of their teams get better because of this trade. So I, you don't see that very often in the NFL. Normally you see things that don't pan out. I think that three years down the road, it's going to be Darnold versus Wilson and probably still Wilson versus Fields, but probably it's just going to be Fields versus Lawrence and yeah. Wilson's the afterthought. Have we? Did we do the Panthers, by the way, for Friday no. Fix? No. Because I definitely want to add them to the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. That's okay, fine. sounds good. All right. Go go to the ads. Go to the yeah. ads. All right, before we get into our top 10 corners of the 2021 NFL Draft Class, we do want to talk to you guys about Dynasty Trade Calculator. It is the best 
trade calculator on the market. Uh, right now, I've, I've actually, a lot of people are getting into rookie drafts and they're getting into like some, some pre-NFL draft rookie drafts. But a lot of startups are happening right now. I'm seeing a ton of trades. You can put your picks in and see the value of that. Uh, you can tweak it to be whatever you want it to be. Dynasty Trade Calculator is definitely the move if you're trying to see if you're getting fair value back on your your trades. And you can pump up your players if you value someone higher, then you can make it read that way. Uh, it, it's a very good tool. We definitely recommend using it. The link is in the description of this episode. Make sure you go click that uh, because that link is one of our show links. So uh, it definitely helps us and it will help you win your leagues. Uh, also, red zone draft boards. It's almost time to draft. And like I said, and so red zone draft boards is going to be a necessity for you. You're going to want these draft boards, especially when you get into redraft season. But I think you can make them work for Dynasty as well. Uh, these guys have the best draft boards. These things are massive. Uh, I believe you get $10 off of an order or 10% or 5%. I don't remember. It's been a while. But if you make sure you click the link in the description, which I'm pretty sure it says what the percentage is, I'm just dumb and don't have it pulled up right now. However, very, very much so worth it. Uh, our our good friend Sean, former co-host of ours, uh, he got one last year and was pleased with it. So we highly recommend buying a draft board from Red Zone Draft Boards. Randy, talk to us about Thrive Fantasy, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, Thrive Fantasy is the future of uh sports betting honestly prop betting was so much more fun than DraftKings, in my opinion i do love DraftKings for what it is i'd much rather do that than FanDuel and other stuff but uh i i do love the prop it's completely different and i mean you do still have to worry about matchups and all that stuff and you're really trying to pick the best players of the week but you get 20 props to choose from and you pick 10 uh to really do the over under of the the props that they gave you and it's it's getting harder and harder but it's so much more fun and there's a lot of gimmies every week which is great uh, especially if you know what you're looking for and we also every time uh we did our dfs shows we we gave a few picks on thrive to help out and if you do it right now uh you can have some fun in the nba which is just continually getting better and better and uh, obviously, I hope uh, a lot of the star players that are out right now come back to help out those prop bets. But the NBA has been fun for it as well. And I, I really just can't wait to get back to the NFL season for it. And if you use our code, uh, ooh, is it just the cut? <laughs> I think so. Okay. If you use our code, the cut, it's in the description as well. But whatever you deposit from 20 to $50, they match it for you. And then you just get free money to win from. And that's what we did, and that's what we we're going to continue to do. Uh, and we'd like to help as much as we can as well. So go ahead and use our code and then ask us questions. Fuck yeah. Do that. All right. Uh, let's talk about the top 10 corners in the 2021 20, NFL draft class. This is a very exciting episode because uh, every team needs corners. So these are all guys yeah. that you're probably going to hear pretty early on draft night uh if, if you watch day two you're definitely going to hear a lot of these names that we talk about towards the end but uh obviously randy we know the top three of certain horn and farley how do you have those three ranked first of all in that order 
Uh, and that is thanks to Farley getting yet another uh, injury history ding. Honestly, yes. I, without uh, some concern issues with his injury history, he would be my corner two. Uh, I think you said uh, prior to that he was tied with Sertain and had a chance to get ahead of him at the time. Uh, now he's solidified as your three, but he's actually tied with Horn for me. I think all three are absolute guaranteed corner ones in the NFL, and we don't get that most classes. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So first let's so that's actually my order as well. Uh so Sertain, Horn, Farley. I had a revelation uh a few nights ago. Oh, do I, I was like this. <laughs> no, it was actually it was to get Sertain at, at corner one. For a second there I had Farley and then uh I went back and I watched another game of JC Horn and I ended up with him as my corner one and then I said Something's not right here because Sertain was statistically one of the best corners uh, in college football, if not the best co- uh, corner in college football, although Horn was very good in his own right as well. But I watched some one extra game on Sertain, and I was like, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm trying to be silly out here. Patrick Sertain is the best corner in this class. We both think so. Uh, and the thing about Sertain is – it's very, very difficult to pick out a flaw. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He is, like you said, he's a CB1 from the jump. He's good at everything. Uh, there were questions that surrounded his long speed, but then he came out and he ran low 4.4s. Four uh, so, uh, of I, course, it's a pro day low 4.4s. Four you know, I will say it, there's still some little questions about his long speed. Obviously, a low 4.4. Four four, uh, obviously for 40 yards, you know, he's fast, uh, but long speed, uh, maybe he gets a little tired out after that. But I mean, if he's a little tired, he's starting a four or five, four, six, uh, after 60, 70 yards. I think that's pretty fucking good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, he, I, I, there's, there's some debate on like which system you want him to be in. And I think that's really just because he's so good at fucking everything. Uh, but yeah. there's no question he's great at ball with great great with ball skills uh he attacks the ball and he's got great closing speed with that as well there's an nfl pedigree there honestly only bad thing is he's so smooth and he's so good uh that people didn't target him so some of his game tape isn't exciting because he just runs around for (laughs) for the entire game with no one throwing the ball to him and that happened a good amount because he he is the elite level lockdown guy. And for a reason, I truly think, and I'm more consensus, obviously, um, I think he's a great press man corner. And I think he's going to thrive at the next level early because of that. Uh, when he doesn't just get to take the game off anymore, because people will throw him at the next level as long as he has a halfway decent corner to the other side. <laughs> uh, yeah. But because I do think he is going to be great in press man corner, that does not limit his ability in zone because he's really, really good in there. I just have him slightly better in press man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like, I mean, I like him in virtually any scheme. Now, I do think, I think he's the best cover three corner, zone corner, uh, whatever, however you want to frame it. But I, I think like, when I look at him, I think of Richard Sherman. Uh, and and so you think of Richard Sherman, you think physical, press. Yes, he can do it. 
but we saw what Richard Sherman could also be in that 49ers scheme where he did have to sit back in zone and he was able to get some interceptions from it. That's how I view Sertain, which is interesting because I think Jay-Z Horn actually fits that mold a little better, uh, fits that Sherman mold a little bit better, but well, he's not as good in zone. I well, yeah, I, he's he's still I, good. Yeah, I, I, I still I still don't agree with that. But like we're talking minute details, obviously. But uh, with Sherman, it's not like an awful comp. But Sherman did struggle at times in zone with just getting stuck and not being able to truly like close where he wanted to because he has to sit between two guys instead of just taking one guy out of the game. And I think yep. that's partially where Sertain struggled as well. That his worst parts of zone where he would just drop back into cover three and then he just sat there between two guys and didn't know what to do because he's tried to cover two guys. <laughs> and then the ball yeah. still didn't go his fucking way because he's Sertain. Uh, <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. yeah. He he's got a lot of things going for him. And and we would be remiss if we didn't mention obviously he has NFL pedigree. His father was in the league, uh, which is a good segue into the next guy, uh, which is JC Horn. His father was also in the league. We have two, two guys, especially Horn. I think I remember it, it was a, uh, what's his dad's first name? Joe. Yes. Joe. Yeah. He was a wide receiver, right? I believe so. Yeah, he was a fucking wide receiver for the Saints, I believe. Um, but I, I actually remember watching him play. I don't remember Patrick Sertain's father playing in the league. Call me young. Call me whatever you want. If you see my head, you'll take that back. Anyway, you'll say I look old. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so J.C. Horn, NFL pedigree. Different type of corner than Sertain, in my opinion. Um, I thought it was interesting. They had their pro days in back-to-back days. Sertain went first. He did all of his athletic testing, and J.C. Horn said, wait, what did you run? Because I'm going to run faster. What did you jump? I'm going to jump higher and further. Uh, J.C. Horn is a physical specimen, and that's how he plays when he's on the field. Uh, I personally think that, I mean, we talked about press man being a strength of Sertain's. I think Horn is better at press man because he's so physical on the football field. He He's going to... He, I mean, ultimately, he can be an island corner. I think you can say that about all three of these these top guys. Maybe Farley a little less so right now because he's so raw. But uh, I think you can say, okay, JC, you want to go take out DeAndre Hopkins this week? Go for it. Maybe not yet, but eventually down the road, that's the level of corner that I see out of JC Horn. What do you see from him? Why do you have him at CB2? I mean, he just is the absolute physical monster. Um, I mean, literally everything you said, like that NFL pedigree, and then he's just a monster, impressed man, athletic as hell, um, bursty, which helps him in zone. I, I think he definitely needs to get better at ball skills, but maybe that comes uh, with more growth of position. I mean, he, he's cooler too because he's just it, like, his the worst part of his game, besides I guess ball skills, I guess I should say, is that he's almost too physical. <laughs> yep. And 
I, I guess that's why, without injury concerns, I'd have him at three because I have some concerns of early on with him getting a lot of penalties. But I truly think he could play in uh, zone or press schemes, uh, press man, obviously. Um, and I, I think he's going to be a dominant corner at the next level. I truly, th- I mean, if he could somehow be your corner two for a year while he like nitpicks out the like holding stuff that he's going to get and he can grow as a, a tackler, which is really his like worst attribute, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, consistent tackler, I guess you should say. Yeah. Um, if he can grow at a corner two off the bat, I mean, that'd be ungodly unfair, but I think he could still be your corner one easy. Yeah. Earlier in the draft process, I was super, super hopeful that this guy would fall to the Browns at 26. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen now. JC Horn is a top 15 draft pick, in my opinion. I don't think he slides past 15. Um, I don't think he slides past 16. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Um, or 17, I guess. I mean, like, I I don't think, I think there's absolutely no chance that all three of the Patriots, Cardinals, and Raiders would be like, you know, we're good. Like, I just don't see that happening. And I don't know if they even get the chance. They might have to trade up for that. Cowboys, Broncos. They they honestly probably have to trade up for the blessing to have JC Horn. There it is. I, yeah, I also think. Uh, the Lions at seven are a sleeper to take a corner. I know people think I'm crazy for that. Uh, no, uh, it's not crazy. They do need to pair uh, Okuda with someone for the future. They're in a weird position where they're literally just taking what they feel is the best player available. So yeah. whether that's Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, uh, Chase, Kyle Waddle, Pitts, Pitts Smith, uh, Sertain, Farley, Horn, <laughs> I mean, Parsons, maybe like, you would literally go down the entire list of the top prospects and they could literally pick any of them. And I wouldn't be surprised. Kyle Pitts is like the least likely just because of, I mean, how, how they view Hawkinson. Um, But that depends on how they view Kyle Pitts as well. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, they also had one Calvin Johnson. Uh, They did. And they won, wasted him. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but JC Horn, uh, going to be a very, very good corner at the next level. I know some uh, like big draft, like Jacob said on the <laughs> fantasy intervention, he likes to call it big draft. Uh, big draft has been questioning why Horn is being touted so highly after some inconsistencies in his 2019 film. Well, it's because he got better and he is as athletic as they come. Like I think this guy, like I said, locked and loaded, top 15 or 16 uh pick <laughs> i'm sorry just imagine like like you get you get paid a good amount for this and you're like i don't know i mean the 2020 film really good not a lot of consistencies but 2019 film some inconsistencies what a fucking <laughs> moron what <Yeah>. the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not gonna you know i you know that improvement he made well it doesn't matter because he wasn't like that last year Right. Yeah. I mean, some people are saying he's like a late first rounder. I, I, I have mean, him. As... I think that's his floor. I yeah. mean, but I also like late first rounder would be like the Browns or like, like that. There's no way he gets past the Browns. I, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah. They might. But I think the only way he's a late first is if the Farley 
like stink of the injury cools off uh, by the end of this month. Yeah, which speaking of which, let's start talking about Caleb Farley, who is our consensus CB three. Uh, very athletic. I I think if Caleb Farley would have tested, I think he would have put both Sertain and Horn to shame, or at least been on par with them. I think he would have run faster than them. I think he would have jumped higher than them because oh, I I know he ran faster. because uh, if you guys remember right, he had a a coach film of his forty, and that film was a four two eight. Now, yep. is he a four two eight player? No, <laughs> four three though. Yeah, uh, so he's fast <laughs> as fuck, and he's yeah. an athletic freak, just like the other top two. Same thing. Like he's just. Great at everything. Like, I think he needs to improve as a tackler, but I think he may have taken a little bit of a reprieve in that aspect this yeah. season because of some injury concerns piling up. And clearly his back wasn't 100% this year, so because they had yeah. to get yet another surgery on it. And I think he needs to improve slightly technique-wise to be up with the other two. Um, but besides also- that, he he is absolutely good at everything, incredible at ball skills. Like he he's up there with Sertain, just absolutely dominating at the point of contact and clicking and closing with elite burst, getting that ball and attacking. So I mean, there's really not much to hate with this game besides tackling and some things to clean up technique wise, slightly. Like huh? <laughs> I technically I, I I think his balance is questionable. Well, uh, I mean, balance is technique as well. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and that I kind of wanted to incorporate that because I'll tell you what, when you watch Farley and you see him even lined up uh, when he's in press, man, you're like, what the fuck is this guy doing out there? Like, why is he? Why does he look like that? And then you're like, oh, it doesn't matter because he's so fucking fast. He's so good at. Uh, I mean, his his. Uh, ball skills are great. I think being he's a former wide receiver, he transitioned. He hasn't played corner for very long, which is why uh, I believe guys like Daniel Jeremiah had him as a top five prospect in this class. His ceiling is one of the best corners in the league. Where I mean, you can say that about Sertain and Horn as well. I think. I think this is the best corner class that we've seen since we started really like diving into. Uh, the NFL draft. Uh, I think this top three specifically is has the chance to go down as the best corner class of all time, uh, which is certainly saying something. Now, of course, one of them probably doesn't hit. If I had to make a bet, it'd probably be Farley because he is still a little more raw than the other two. And like I said, he still has a lot to learn about the position. Yeah, I... There's some uh, things to to clean up, um, but I, I'm not really that worried. Literally, we have to worry slightly um, about the back. Uh, but with this top three, just a quick question off the off the top: How would you compare it to last year's? Uh, I mean, arguably, obviously, top two of C.J. Henderson and Jeffrey Okuda. But then there was some debate between like Fulton and Terrell and Diggs, Henderson, um, Henderson. Well, I, Henderson and Okuda are the top two. 
Oh, <laughs> I, I missed that. Sorry. I thought you just put Okuda in the top. No, one. no, 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 no. Henderson was gonna fuck too. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was. Um, but yeah, yeah. I top three, love them. Four is where we both start to differ. Uh, but only oh, slightly. Wait. Okay, we're just ignoring my question. I, I how would you uh, compare the top at least the top two, arguably the top three, who to comparison to who you had last year, but how would you uh, compare this top three to that top three? this class is better so i think Okuda all around a- i think so as well but i think the top three are also better too yeah and i love I th- okuda that's not a slight at okuda or henderson or the rest of them i just think these top three is ridiculous <laughs> i think okuda is better than all three of these guys uh as a prospect but then we saw what he put on film in 2020 it- and it wasn't great Listen, so even it's it's it is a it is a fast transition for corners. Um, it is very very tough. There's no there's no slight to the quarter position once you get to that next level. It is yeah. it is rough, but I think Okuda is going to come out swinging this year. And Henderson so. had a pretty good year, even though obviously he's going to improve this year as well. He, um, yeah, he was more up and down. I would say yeah. he had a very good start to his year and then kind of fell off. But yep. All right, let's move into. My four, your five. Uh, yes, your your four is more consensus four, so I'll talk about my non-consensus take here with uh, Efitu Melifonwu, the corner out of Syracuse, who I have ranked ahead of Greg Newsom, the second, the corner out of Northwestern. We'll talk about both of these guys, but first I want to talk about Melifonwu. Uh, and the reason why I have him ranked ahead of Newsom is his athleticism, and his physicality. So when I say physicality, I mean he has a nose for the football. If if you throw a screen pass against him and he's got three blockers in front of him, he's going to find a way to tackle you. He's a very good uh, seeker when uh, attacking a player with the ball. He's also a very hard hitter for a corner. Now, tackling is something that I mean, we've talked about it quite a bit because we do value tackling quite a bit for corners. Run support, not all of these corners are going to be as good as Melifonwu, and I think immediately Melifonwu gets on the field because of that. Um, His jump from 2019 to 2020 was really, really good. We talked about that with guys like Aaron Banks, uh, who had similar jumps where they just weren't that good in 2019, but in 2020... You can see the improvement, and you can see the trajectory as well. I think Melifonwu's ceiling is higher than Newsom's. Um, I think he definitely leaves a little bit to be desired in his man coverage, but he did, like I said, he improved from 2019 to 2020 in that aspect. He's a pretty fast guy, and he's super athletic, so he's going to be able to figure it out. He's got some technique issues that he needs to work on, uh, we'll talk about false steps here in a second with Newsom, but Melifonwu also takes some false steps that put him out of position. Uh, but if if you are questioning this, watch his film against uh, uh, UNC, I think it was. They put him on Diami Brown, and for the most part, uh, I think he was also on uh, Daz Newsom a little bit, but he had a very good game, and you can see why people love this kid. I have a high second round grade on him. He's not a first round player, neither is Newsom, but I think that Melifonwu is going to be a stud in the league. 
hundred percent. I've loved a feed two for a long time now. Um, it's seemingly our show and a couple others have been on his bandwagon for a long time now, and he's up to where he should be. Um, I think him and Newsom both go in the first, uh, but I won't have, I have close to first round grades. And I think you do too, but they're going to be outside of it just barely. Um, but they're definitely high second round players that are going to go in the first, uh, most likely uh, just because quarter such a coveted position and every team fucking needs one. It seems like this year. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be kind of crazy. Um, I think I have him and Newsom basically the same. Uh, and basically, they're going to be the same uh, instant as well. They're both going to be outside zone corners. Um, I think Newsom may be more specifically cover three, uh, where a feed two is a little bit more diverse necessarily. But I, I think both are really good. And I think Newsom's getting a little bit more consensus hype obviously because he's got the pedigree too to help him out uh so yeah yeah i again i i think a team i mean malfon would make some sense for the browns at 26 Uh, he makes sense for every team that isn't (laughs) predominantly press man coverage yeah that's true and that's the same exact thing going into my number five uh my number four your number five greg newsom um, the second, uh, obviously, Craig Newsom, I believe, is his dad who played for like the Packers and a couple other teams. But uh, sticky as hell. Uh, he's a good zone player, but also because of that stickiness, is a good man player. Uh, he's fast as hell. Great instincts, which makes sense with NFL pedigree. Um, but the same thing. I he's false steps at times. Gets out of position. Uh, and because of his speed and instincts and his good like bursts, click and close situations, he can recover a lot. Um, but I think I would be way more comfortable with him as an outside zone corner to start while he continues to grow technique wise as a man cover corner. Um, but he's going to be very, very good at the next level. And just like Mel Fondu, I, I really don't hate anything about either of these guys. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what like. I think Melifon was a better tackler. Yeah, um, certainly. But I think certain technique things, Newsom's definitely a little bit better. Instinctually, Newsom's better. Yes. All skills, I give him a slight edge as well, but physicality goes to Melifon Wu. Um, yeah. They're both, honestly, I, I gave them the same band coverage and zone grades. Like, they're, they're a very close players, and Melifon has got a little bit better size. Uh, while he is a little bit slower, but it, it I mean, we're, we're splitting hairs. One team's going to like the six two two oh five, like four, four forty. One team's going to take the six foot one ninety two one ninety five four four forty. Like we're, we're splitting hairs. Yeah. With, with Newsom, people are calling him a big corner, which I think is funny. Cause I don't, when he I watch plays. my film, uh, he plays bigger than he is, but I'm literally where it's a six foot corner. That's not a big corner. Malfano exactly. is a big corner. Exactly. I think uh, I think it was like Jeremiah or B- Bucky Brooks that said this is a big physical corner. I don't see that. I don't see a physical corner. I see a fast corner, and I see a guy that he yeah super super <laughs> sticky and super instinctual. I did. I was low on Newsom. I said I don't. I don't understand this at all. And then I got some more 2020 film. Uh, 
specifically what Northwestern did against Justin Fields, uh, QB1 specifically. Uh, I think uh, – had to throw it in. I did. No, Newsom had a phenomenal, phenomenal game, and it kind of led me to watch a couple more games. And so it it's definitely like when you're – I guess the, the advice here is if you are looking to scout, you don't know where to start, watch the oldest film first, come back to the, the newer film – so if you have 2018 film and you want to watch that, that's fine. Watch 2019 after and 2020 right after that because Newsom got significantly better as well. Uh, his instincts got better. He knew where he was going on the field. He was out there pretty much calling out plays before they happened, which is impressive. He was beating receivers to their spots. That's the stuff that NFL teams are going to love. I last mocked. Greg Newsom ahead of Caleb Farley. I think that's very possible with how the league seems to be viewing Newsom. I I also did the same thing. <laughs> Barely, but I did the exact same thing. Yeah. I, I had him go 21 and 22. So, but we go from uh some bigger corners to a small corner. Uh for you, I believe for me as well. You have him seven. You're I'm a hater. Seven? Um Asante Samuel Jr. Um <laughs> He is a smaller corner, and it does lead to less physical play style. So uh, when you get with tackling, with press, uh, just overall physicality, he isn't elite by any means. Uh, He's average. And, yeah, sure, he can improve on that, uh, but I just don't think that's his game necessarily. But technique, crazy. Uh, He's got really good football IQ. I I would... (laughs) I would want his football IQ to be slightly better, but I think I've been a little too harsh with him having the pedigree that he does, being obviously the son of Asante Samuel, which is the running theme of this class. Um, Seriously. I, I, I want him to be slightly better than he is, but maybe I'm just being a little bit of a dick. I don't care. Um, he's still you really, are. really good. Closing speed and ball skills are also good, so he can play really, really good zone coverage uh, and can make up for lapses in the physical play uh when he gets slightly beat in some man coverage as well uh and uh, honestly again like the physicality like his tackling isn't incredible because of stuff like that Uh, it's not like he gets bullied or anything by any means it's just like in comparison to the other guys like his physicality is average or slightly above average and that goes for press and tackling as well i have a question for you dude answer uh, are are you playing Samuel in the slot or as an outside corner? Outside, inside. Uh, the cop out of cop out answers. Um, <laughs> I think Out, outside I, first, then inside, or inside outside. Uh, I don't care about Doesn't that. Matter. Um, I do think he is really, really good man coverage for even with his lack of um, physicality. So I think that's says a lot about it. If he does get somewhat more physical as a cover quarter, I mean, he's going to be a very, very good man coverage guy. And I think we saw that more in the slot, the the man coverage being better. I think yeah. he's good at zone, uh, but I just think he needs to get a little bit better. And I think um, I, I think that's really just really because he didn't have to play it as much. So... Yeah, it's very true. I I think his click and close speed is probably one of the best in the class. He's just so technically sound, which he should be. Uh, His dad probably taught him a lot of things growing up. So 
definitely a corner that's getting overlooked because he is a smaller guy, but I think a team's going to take him high, high second. I, I, I think there's a world where he's a first round pick because of his dad. Uh, but I think he's probably high second and he's an early contributor, which is nice with your corner six slash seven. Um, speaking of six, your corner six, my corner eight is Eric Stokes out of Georgia. Talk to me oh, about yeah, Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes, uh, shout out to Crocky. Um, Crocky <laughs> loves the, the Georgia boys. Um, it's true. Because honestly, though, technically sound. That That's the best thing you can say about the Georgia corners and Stokes definitely for sure. He's got ideal size and speed, uh, six one one eighty, and I think he ran like a four five forty. So he's not like the fastest fast or like a high four forty. He's not like ultra fast, but he's definitely fast enough to do anything he has to do. Uh, his trail technique is really really good. So even if he does somehow get outsped, um, he he it doesn't matter to him. His coverage is really, really sound. There's not like I don't have him like overly dominant in man. I have him better in zone, um, just probably because of technique things. But like he's got good ball skills, really, really good instincts. Best stat is technique by far. He's a good tackler. Um, he's pretty good in press. Like there's really nothing he does wrong. Um, his I mean, he's he's literally just above average at everything, and then he's just a, a technician. That's the yeah. best way I can describe him, like in short. Yeah, I think, I think his see, I think he tends to lean on that that trail technique, even when he doesn't have to. Um, which it, it his trail technique is really good, uh, so it, it works, and he's pretty good. At getting his hands on the ball, however, it, he, him being a good tackler doesn't mean that he's gonna whiff on uh, like a pass deflection and it's gonna turn into touchdowns. Because I think that's that's definitely gonna happen. It's something you run the risk of rolling Eric Stokes out there early contributor as a CB two. Uh, I th- I think he's a good player. I have him at eight because I simply just like this next guy a little bit more, but you know what you're getting with Stokes. You know what you're getting with his teammate and Tyson Campbell. Stokes is better. Uh, Yeah. The the best thing I've heard someone say about Stokes is as a rookie, he is going to be at absolute worst, your cornerback three. That's his absolute floor. He will be your cornerback two. And he has cornerback one upside after the first season or so. So, yeah, <laughs> that's why. I mean, I am at six. Obviously, it's a it's a second round grade. Um, and you have him a little bit lower, but I know you still have him graded very highly as well. He's him and Tyson Campbell, obviously, are just just very good. I just have Stokes slightly ahead of that group with Samuel Robinson. Uh, Campbell, uh, Joseph, like that whole group that I have really close together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like Stokes a bit. Um, all right. Let's <laughs> move on to my seven. And you're, you're a freaking hater, bro. You're 10. Oh my God. Yes. Right. My 10. And he would be your, he could be your eight, you hater. 
Uh, but you don't have a final eval on Kelvin Joseph, so go fuck yourself. Fair enough, and we'll talk about Kelvin Joseph here shortly, but uh, my number seven corner, your number 10, is Aaron Robinson, the UCF corner. Um, very, very interesting eval. I was immediately impressed when I flipped on his film. Uh, very, very fast player. Very uh, he, So I, I typed in initially big and fast because I just was going off the film that I watched, and he plays super big. He's not a big dude. Like He's definitely a slot corner at the next level. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, think, I, I will preface, I think that's why I have him at 10 in comparison to like 7 like you. Uh, I think I I really do like him uh, a lot, really. Uh, but because I know he's not going to be outside, I think I have a little more of a specialty pick. Yeah. So, see, I think I there was a good conversation that someone had on a podcast, which is super descriptive. You're my uh, you're my favorite descriptor ever. <laughs> uh, but they essentially said. Your nickel corner, your slot corner, is on the field every every down now in the modern NFL. So that's a yeah. a position that you're going to see valued a little higher here in the next few years. I think I, we saw that a little bit last year. I was I value slot quarterbacks very very highly. It's Clearly just not well, <laughs> but when you're just a pure slot guy, that means yeah. you don't have the ability to play outside and. When you're just pure slot, I'm going to take the guy that could potentially be my corner one, like guy on the outside locking down the best receiver. I'm going to That's take fair. him ahead. That's fair. Uh, or so a guy Aaron, that can play both, like Asante Sabu Jr. Yeah, that's fair. Or really, I think Newsom could do that as well. Uh, well, yeah, but Newsom's clearly ahead. That's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so Aaron Robinson, the things he does well, he's he's above average at, at virtually everything. He's uh, he's fast. He's pretty physical, especially for his size. But instinctually, he's got some things to work on. He doesn't really have good play rec. I don't think he's very good in run support. And then his technique kind of gets him in trouble here and there. Uh, this is a guy though that's been. I've seen him mocked in the first round, uh, which I don't agree with. He's, I think, got a low second, maybe mid-second for me. I don't remember it. I don't have it pulled up, but uh, this is a guy that, again, you slot him into your CB3, and you don't look back. You, that you're, you're content with that, and he probably starts day one, in my opinion. Yeah, and when you, when you break out analytics for Aaron Robinson, I think that's where his like first job buzz would go because if you grade him maybe slightly higher in some areas than we did, um, and then you add in the analytics, uh, he's going to shoot up your board. Uh, obviously I, I'm going strictly at fill grades for the most part here, uh, because I trust my eyes more than <laughs> I use yeah. analytics for sure. I trust them, but in the process of just pure scouting, I'm going to purely trust film and then go from there to help build the profile. This is the base. At the base, Aaron Robinson is a pure slot. Uh, it's just going to be slightly below these guys, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that speaks to how good the class is, that I have him at 10. Yeah. Yeah, I, like like we've said a few times now, this is a very, very good corner class. Uh, his teammate in Tay Gowan is getting some hype as well. I just saw 
I just retweeted actually a corner list with Tay Gowan at 10. Uh, Aaron Robinson at seven, rightfully so. Uh, <laughs> all right. We talked about um, my, we talked about my eight. Uh, so now it's time to talk about your eight, which is my 10. And that's oof. a guy we mentioned, Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell. Good size, <laughs> speed, and technique. Yep. That's uh, <laughs> done. No, but he's also he's great in press, and by that it's along with uh, the Newsom, where he's not quite physical, but he's sticky in man coverage and in press. Uh, so he doesn't get beat off the line, but he's also not beating you down on the line. Um, he's a solid tackler with that technique. Um, I think he has pretty good closing speed and burst. Uh, his probably worst trait is. He needs to get more physical, probably, and he doesn't. He doesn't have good ball skills. Yeah. Those are his worst things for me. I think instinctually he could get a little bit better as well. I think his balance is worse than his teammate Eric Stokes, uh, but that's why Eric Stokes is higher. I mean, yeah, <laughs> these are day two guys for me. Tyson Campbell yeah. is my CB ten, and he has a late third round grade, which I know is low. Some people have first round grades on him. I can't get there. Uh, so, but he, he's a good player. He's a good right. player for sure. Um, my number nine, yes, is the uh, my uh, is my eleven. Yeah. Uh, and I should preface again. I didn't finish a grade on Kelvin Joseph. Uh, I didn't finish a grade on who is the other one? Uh, Keith Taylor Jr. Yes, yes. So the, those are two guys that I may be omitting. Uh, but I haven't finished yet, but my number nine is Diamador Lenore, uh, the corner out of Oregon what a guy that he, uh, he's another guy that improved from 2019 to 2020. His film in 2020 is obviously very limited because he only played six games because the PAC 12 got started in fucking, I don't know, January or something. That's what it felt like. That's not true, but, um, <laughs> felt like it. I agree. <laughs> this is a guy that has good instincts. He's got good technique. He's not super bursty. He's probably going to end up a slot corner at the next level. He's just an okay tackler. He's just a guy that I think has that CB2 potential, though. I don't think he has to be a slot corner. He is a little bit undersized. I believe he's 5'10. Sounds right. 5'11. 5'11. 5'11. 202. Nice. Uh, so he's not a small guy by any any means, but he is probably gonna slot into your slot. So yeah, I gave him a in and out grade. Um, so instead of out and in, so I guess I do actually preface it with certain guys. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I gave an in and out zone grade uh, or scheme uh, grade um, for yeah. obvious reasons. I, I think I would initially. Uh, I, I think you have to capitalize on him in the slot. Um, but if you truly are more of a man cover scheme in the slot, I think you almost have to put him outside because <laughs> it's not like he's a detriment in man, but he's not good at it yet. But again, I, I think he can improve. I, I don't think there's anyone ever that is a pure finished product. You would certain Horn and Farley can all improve slightly. I don't fucking know how, but they could. Uh, you know, like <laughs> they're all just so True. goddamn good, but there is certain technique things you can clean up. And I, 
I think Lenore is a very, very good prospect. Um, I wish he would have played more this year because I do agree that it. Uh, I'm a little bit lower on him, but I watched more 2019 than 2020 probably. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Always happens. Um, I know. All right, man. let's That's let's talk about with each other. We always flip that too. All right, let's talk about your nine, which is the last guy we're talking about. Um, and that is Calvin Joseph, who would be in your top ten. I am telling you, if not for <laughs> anything else, he ran a four three four forty. Yes, I know it's a pro day, so it's probably like a four three seven or four three eight or four three six. I don't give a fuck. You know how fast that is? <laughs> Holy fuck! <laughs> so fast. Uh, you know what's crazy? For, before you go <laughs> yeah, any further. Yeah. Kyle Pitts ran away from this man. Like he literally he did. I also think that was a little bit uh technique issue things though. It was. He definitely stumbled, but I don't give yeah. a fuck. He should have been able to catch him, but he, <laughs> he didn't because Kyle Pitts is a god. Oh, Pitts is still fast as fuck too. Um either way, Kelvin Joseph, I think he's pretty good in man, but he definitely needs to grow and press to be a better man corner. Um I think he's above average right now on man, but I, there's certain technique and physicality that's going to elevate him in that spot. I think he's he's well above average at zone coverage, best at deep third coverage, um, great ball skills with great clicky close. He's got the ideal size and length, um, and that slice and length should lend itself to being a pretty good tackler. Uh, it doesn't. Um, he's inconsistent at best there. And that's probably his biggest detriment, in my opinion. Um, But obviously, I think if he can improve uh, some physicality, so some tackling, some press, uh, and a little bit clean up some technique, I think he could end up being a corner one for a team. But I truly, right now, would have him as an outside corner two, hopefully in cover three or quarters zones. And eventually to press man, because uh, I I don't think, and you know, and I I guess I won't even preface press man. I I think you could stick him in man with almost anyone, and he'll be able to just stick with him. I, I mean, obviously he needs to get better in certain aspects, but like with that kind of speed, like you you're not afraid to have him on anyone, and with his size and length, you're definitely not afraid to have him on anyone. So I think he's going to be a, a good corner. A lot of people would have him ooh, up with Stokes or some people I've seen even have him up with Newsom on Mel Fonwu. Um I have wow. him right around all these guys. I truly have uh, <laughs> an absolute uh, a cluster. Once we get past Stokes, I have four guys with the same grade right now. And then after that, I have another four guys with the same grade. Um, so, and that includes Lenore. So, there's there's a lot of guys that I truly think, um, like I, I think can improve and really stand out. And I think certain systems are gonna love certain guys over others. And I think this corner class, there's a lot of things besides like certain schemes that they're gonna be better at than others. There's you almost have to bring in analytics to really get a divide because there's there's so many of these guys who are just so close to each other. And I think that's just speaks to how good this quarter class is, where I think by the end of day two, we're gonna have oh fuck. Uh 
12, 14, 15 corners gone. It's crazy that we said the same um, number. I know. It's, it speaks <laughs> to us. Um, For sure. There's a chance even uh, higher than that. Like, there's guys like Sean Wade who is a corner, uh, but is also a safety. And some teams are going to think he's a detriment at corner, speaking at outside, even though it's tough to learn really this year. And there's a lot of stuff going on. He obviously also was banked up, uh, but it doesn't matter. He didn't improve in 2020 on the outside, but on the inside, we saw him be dominant. And we saw him in different kinds of concepts, being a safety and being dominant there too. So I think he has a chance to go in day two, if not like late second round because of that kind of versatility. Uh, There's another guy that we really couldn't grade fully in Benjamin St. Just. There's... We have a Free we have a tape. Yeah, we we have a tape database with obviously other people on draft Twitter. Um, that we all have a, a vast amount of tape on damn near everyone. We, there was game tape on David Moore who played at Grambling. There was game tape on Quinn D3 Miners pe- and Quinn Miners and other D three people. There's no tape on fucking St. Juice besides Senior Bowl stuff. And Senior Bowl stuff isn't that in depth. I mean, you you look at one on ones where he's, you, you get like ten reps of him, uh, and then the game where he's, I mean, like, it yeah. sucks. You, you're having to look at highlight tapes to try to grade someone. So there's, I have some very very safe grades on him on certain things, uh, yeah. but there's been a lot of hype on him, and I think if we had some more tape, I I think I would uh, like him a lot. But that's where we're at. So fuck it, you know. He's a- <laughs> He's a big guy that runs a sub seven three yeah. cone. So and I, I also think there's I there's one other guy I would have mentioned, Paulson Adebo. I think there's gonna be a lot of teams that like him more than draft Twitter or anyone. He is good at everything. So hey. and, and by that I mean he's got good instincts, he's got good ball skills, and the most important thing, he's an outside corner that is as good in man coverage as he is in zone coverage and he's well above average at both. And because of that, I think teams are going to shoot him up boards. Um, but then they're going to shoot back down because uh, we haven't seen him play in two years because of injury. And it's the yeah. same thing with his teammate and Walker little, where I think both are going day two. And I think they might go, it might be end up like a surprise pick at the second, or not in the second at that second. <laughs> want to clarify yeah. that um, where <laughs> yeah. you weren't thinking of Paul Sotibo, you weren't thinking of Walker Little, but once you see them play their first year, you'd be like, ah, oh, fuck, it's smart pick in the third. Brilliant. Yeah. I guess when I, I graded him, I didn't consider that he was playing through injury, I think, in yeah. a little bit in 2019, I want to say early 2019. Early 2019, um, they get hurt. Yeah. And he was playing through the injury the whole time, but Man, technically, I I don't know that I agree that he's above average. I think he's average at all things, but I would rather a guy like Sean Wade that we've seen him be dominant, whereas like Adebo was good. And then I think he's progressively gotten worse, which is like a very weird thing to I think about. Think so. See, I think his best year was 2018. But of course, like, yeah, like but you, you said, you slobbered your knob over Dylan Moses. I don't want to hear shit from you. That's fair. <laughs> It's fair, but I also graded mostly as 2019 film, so that's that's probably where the the 
issues lie. But <laughs> all right, I, those are just a couple of shout outs to people. I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I, I also, wish I wish I remembered to shout out Walker Little during our episode. Honestly, yeah, because he, he, he's. <laughs> I think you did. I, or, or, I'm not sure if I did. I mean, obviously, I went to that pro day. Uh, with a virtual one um but like i i mean his answers were perfect like he and you go back and you remember what he was before he got hurt and yeah it, it's and it, it's not like i gave shit for dylan moses because we've seen him play something we haven't seen walker little play we haven't seen paul Sodibo play and i think maybe again maybe i'm thinking too in the stars about these guys but i it, and i'm not saying they're first or second round talents by any means but uh, there's some there's some concerns because we haven't seen him play, but because we haven't seen him play, and we've only seen the good things, <laughs> it's yeah. hard to really hate them. For sure. One other guy that we didn't mention that we should is Elijah Molden, yes. uh, who's safety hybrid slot corner. I saw him on that same list that I retweeted. He was their CB4. That's Jesus. absurd. That's That's absurd to me. Elijah Mullen's an undersized guy that has good, really, really, really good instincts and high football IQ and is a good tackler. Uh, in coverage, he's okay. Uh, I don't, I do not understand the Elijah Molden hype. I have a third or fourth round grade on him. People are talking about him as a top 50 player. That's fine. And hopefully he proves me wrong. I just don't see it on film. It's true. Um, and I, and I, I do want to mention him and, uh, Sean Wade here because I am not going to put them in our safety episode next. You might Christian. I will. I will not have them in there. I'm not grading them as a safety. I don't think we have seen enough from either to truly grade them as a safety. I think that is a solid projection at the next level, but I think it's, uh, for me personally, for my scouting, I don't want to do that. Uh, but it's the same reason I didn't put, Rashad Slater, the guard show, at a, you know, like you're in the yeah. quarter show, you're the quarter show. You're not in the show, you're not in the safety <laughs> show. You don't get to cheat. That's <laughs> fair. Yeah, but you could do it every well. I, I'm just saying, for me personally, yeah. I won't I'm speak about them. That's that's perfectly fine. But uh, to finish off, um, safety show next. Last one, yeah. the positional rankings draft guide coming out next week. Also, hopefully, that is not a guarantee on Friday. I want to point that out personally. Uh, yeah, it's going to come out on Friday, but it's not a guarantee. <laughs> I just, I just want that in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment of it. I, we're excited for that, and then we also have the Mega Mock coming up where we do a full three rounds. I would, you know, I think we're ready to do a, a five round Mega Mock this year. Uh, me and you, maybe. That's uh, true. Adam and Pro- Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not there yet, but fair enough. Um, and and maybe Sean, we'll see who all gets on we'll that. See. But that that is coming up as well. We will have, I would assume, the last couple of weeks leading into the draft is going to be very very mock heavy, very situational based. You might see some mock drafts that don't really align with what you think will happen. But remember, mock drafts are supposed to be fun. You're supposed to think about. What could happen if this happens? And we know the draft is weird. Everyone mocked CD Lamb as the wide receiver one last year. He was the wide receiver three. Uh, everyone mocked. Uh, I can't think of another good example, but uh, <laughs> it, it happens every year. Last year was actually one of the more consensus drafts. 
Uh, the wide because, re- yeah, it, the wide receivers were the only thing that was a consensus, really. Yeah, but you're not going to see that every year. You're going to see some wild picks. We're going to probably dabble in doing some of those wild picks just to see how the draft falls. So be prepared for that. Uh, a lot of stuff coming again. Follow me at C Williams NFL. Follow Randy at our Hall NFL, and follow our Twitter account at the Cut FFB. We do have a Facebook group as well. If you search NFL Draft and Fantasy Football with an ampersand instead of the word and, uh, then you will find us. It's the NFL Draft logo. We have almost 300 people in there now. A lot of good content being posted there. The interactions aren't always there, but the good thing is is that if you are contributing, if you're writing draft content, you can share your stuff in there. We're not going to ban you because we're not fucking Nazi Germany. Uh, but <laughs> we also just like consuming content. That's what that's there for. Join us over there if you have Zuck's app on your phone. If you don't, I don't blame you. Fuck Facebook um, for everything other than the draft group. Um, fair. Follow or subscribe to us on YouTube as well. I always forget to mention that, but a lot of our live streams go there. Uh, We are also live streaming on Twitter. The Friday Fix will be back tomorrow. Uh, Team TBD, because like I said, we're recording early. All right. Randy, do you have anything else to add? No, sir. All right. Well, we will be back, like Randy said, on Tuesday with the safety episode after the Friday Fix tomorrow. For Randy Hall, I'm Christian Williams. We will talk to you guys then. Later.